Thank you for coming to the podcast. Episode 43 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the best mouth guard on the market. Let me tell you something right now. Hey, hey you, if you do a high impact sport or activity and you're not using a CCU mouth guard, shame on you. You are a dum-dum of the highest order because I'll tell you something right now. Both me and Gumby go to jiu-jitsu eight times a week and we sit there on open mat days and we have full conversations with our mouth guards in our mouths. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink. I'm not just pitching this to you because they bring our show. I'm not only a consumer, I'm also the president. Listen, Sisu Mouthguards is the best mouthguard I've ever seen in my life. It's the Cadillac of mouthguards. It's the iPhone of mouthguards. It's the Tesla of mouthguards. Gumby, talk about it. You're going to want to head over to SISUGuard.com and get you the MaxGuard Next Gen, which is their newest mouthguard with increased crumple zone technology, making sure you don't get any concussions or lose any teeth. So in summation, CSU Mouthguard brings you episode 43 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and we're going to kick right into it because this is the fastest fight news on the planet while other podcasts go on and on and meander about nothing in particular. When you just want to get to what brought you to the dance, a little MMA news, a little MMA reaction to that news, and off you go. We do our MMA fight news always under 15 minutes or the podcast is free, never more than a three-round fight. Gumby, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's start with this nugget. Ronda Rousey went on the Ellen Show and said she's wrapping up the show soon, and this fight against Amanda Nunes will be one of her last. Was this promotional tactics because ticket sales have been slow, or do you believe her? Uh, I, I actually believe her. You know, when I think when she went uh, down to Holly Holm, I, I think... Something clicked in her head where she knows she doesn't need the fight game as much as the fight game needs her. Um, you know, she obviously that stuff about suicide came out for a little while. It got really heavy there. But also in, in that same token, I, I think in that speech, what a lot of people didn't take away is that she found that life is much more than that after having those dark moments. So I, I think she's finally getting to a place where she knows she's got, she can do one or two big money fights, completely you know regain what she thought she lost, hit Hollywood, and you know be happy with her life. So let me ask you this. Let's say she has three more fights. Give me your top three. Who do you want to see her fight? Obviously, Amanda Nunes is one of them because it's already on the schedule. So I, I, it's tough if you say who do you want to see her fight versus who you think she's going to fight because I think she's going to fight Nunez I bet you she fights Tate and then I say Holly Holm is a wrap-up fight one more finale fight gets to go home I would definitely rather see her fight Cyborg than Misha Tate uh, because I have no need to see her beat Misha Tate again uh, and I know Misha Tate's probably gotten better I know Ronda Rousey's you know in a different headspace now I don't want to see it again I'd much rather see Cyborg or I'd much rather see an up-and-coming 35er uh, but unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen. All right. Fair enough. Uh, here's the other big news of the past uh, couple of days since we last spoke, and that is that Luke Rockhold is out with injury versus Jacare. The AKA bug has struck again. What I find rather interesting about this was Rockhold was complaining about his pay uh, about two months ago, and then we find out he's been summoned to fight on the other side of the world in Australia against Jacare, a rematch for him from a strike force title shot um, or title defense many years ago. And, uh, you know, now he pulls out with injury. I don't know. Something just seems there's unrest between Luke Rockhold and the UFC, if you ask me. I, I would agree with that, but I, I don't know necessarily that I'm, I'm ready to call pull this pullout 
based on uh, contract stuff. I mean, AK has got a long history of having you know just some some terrible training methods. It seems like, and, and this is a fight that would pretty much guarantee him a title shot if he won. So I can't imagine him not showing up for it based on you know some kind of petty argument. I, I do think it's really exciting because it allows Jacare to probably jump the line and get right to Michael Bisping, well, which is super exciting. Let me get to the next news point, and I do want to mention this. Whitaker versus Derek Brunson has moved to the main event. Not a bad main event. I not, mean, a, not a bad localized main event, but it was certainly a huge step down. Uh, and then you have Jacare saying, hey, I'm ready for a title shot, as everyone assumed he would. Uh, Bisping called out GSP for UFC 206, but now he's claiming that, you know what, he still has an orbital injury from the Dan Henderson fight. He does not want to fight Jacare. Everyone started accusing him of being a scaredy cat. He came out in defense of this Gumby and said, listen, I'd make $4 million versus GSP. I'll risk my eye. I'd make a quarter of that versus Jacare. So no, I'm not going to fight Jacare at 206. What do you make of Bisping saying he He'd fight someone for a lot of money versus not fighting someone for defense of a title. I'm glad he actually said it. You know, there's so many people who are like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't have the full diagnosis on my orbital bone or I didn't have a this or that. He's being honest. He, he's willing to put himself at risk for a huge money fight and not for not a huge money fight. And, and I think that's that's commendable that he would actually say that. And I'm also ready for them to just book the one with Jacare later on. Okay. So you foresee Jacare versus Bisping still maybe in the yeah, early... Yeah, let's, let's do the New Year's show. It, okay, so in the early part of the year, and then you'd figure that the winner of Weidman versus Yoel Romero would get the winner of the title shot, Bisping versus Jacare. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, so we'll move on now. Mark Hunt has been very angry at the UFC ever turned out, ever since it turned out that Brock Lesnar popped for steroids after their fight at UFC 200. But then it comes out that Mark Hunt and the UFC were in contract negotiations to have him fight JDS, but they couldn't come to terms. What do you make of the fact that Mark Hunt was at least entertaining the thought of another fight whereas recently you know as recently as last week we heard he was trying to get a lawyer to get out of his contract i think he's a reasonable guy and he knows from experience what it looks like when somebody tries to get out of their ufc contract it's pretty hard to get out of that contract without taking huge losses or or winding up in a court battle for a really long time so i think he finally came to his senses i I don't think he was also the type of guy who was going to stay away from fighting just because bad things were happening While, while he did say some things along those lines it never sounded like he was going to never fight in the UFC again. He's just really making a play to get them to test higher and more often. Well said. And speaking of fighters who are unhappy with the UFC, uh, breaking news, Jose Aldo has switched his mind. He's not retiring anymore. His coach said he's now looking for a unification fight in early March with Conor McGregor for the 145-pound title. I'm just going to say I called this like four episodes ago. Say no more. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about a great quote from the media conference call yesterday. Uh, Joanna John Jacek, uh, the strawweight champion who is a little soundbite machine herself and a little violence machine as well. She said, quote, I want legend status despite not having big boobies, end quote, which is a funny quote. And I think it's kind of a shot at Misha Tate. Could be wrong. But what do you make of Joanna John Jacek pointing to the fact that maybe she's not the you know, sexy Barbie doll looking MMA fighter, but she just wants to go down as a legend. I think one of one of the things that makes her such a great role model for for young girls is that that's how she sees her profession, that she should be treated, you know, like any other fighter, like any male fighter. And she should be treated for her fighting skills, not for her looks. And unfortunately, we this is a business that allows people to get further ahead based on their looks and based on their charisma and stuff like that. So she's got the unique position of having lots of charisma while also being an awesome fighter. So it's awesome for her to be able to make a stance like that. 
Um, then you also have uh, Cowboy Cerrone was at a uh, a press conference for uh, the UFC, and this was rather surprising. He said he would be the face of a fighters union at a UFC press conference. I I, th- I think it's it's the he's in the unique position where the UFC will love him regardless, and. If you also notice the way that he was bringing it up, it wasn't all anti-UFC. It's like he says that in a way where he wants to work with the UFC to get a fighters union that makes sense for both sides and that makes sense for, you know, he he didn't come out and say, yeah, fuck the UFC. I'm ready to take them down. You know, like you've heard somebody like Tim Kennedy say, or like you've heard somebody like Mark Hunt say, or like you've heard other people say, instead, it looked like more of a cooperative union. Yeah. We've brought that up on the podcast before that the UFC, if anything, should beat the fighters to the punchline and help them start some sort of fighters union that would be weaker in scope from their perspective than if they go and do it on their own. Appoint a Forrest Griffin as someone who already works with the UFC as like the head of the fighters union, someone the fighters might trust to take issues to management. I agree with that. And I think that that would be a really good play. I think they've tried to do something similar to that on a much lesser scale, but it's definitely not like placating the masses. So for instance, they have all of those fighter summits that are pretty much run by Matt Hughes talking about, you know, like what to do after fighting and how to market yourself and how to do this and that. And it seems like they're trying to use that as like a pro fighters thing as the way of like saying like, no, you don't need a union because we're doing all these great things for you too. Uh, So I think that's their attempt at it. You're right. It definitely needs to be stepped up if you know it's going to make fighters happy in the end. Um, Cowboy Cerrone also said it would make sense for him to fight Damian Maya, who doesn't have a fight scheduled right now. Do you agree with this, or should Maya be waiting for the title shot? Maya, <laughs> for uh, sorry, for Wonder Boy versus Woodley to play itself out and then get the title shot. Ma- Maya should be waiting for the title shot. I mean, the dude deserves it, and he's looked absolutely amazing lately. All right. And uh, TJ Dillashaw versus John Lineker has been announced for UFC 207. Obviously, the winner of that would be right in line for a title shot. That's taking place on the same card as Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz for the 135-pound title. I will just say what I like about this pairing of putting those two fights together is if anyone pulls out for injury, let's say in the title fight, you have TJ Dillashaw could probably slide right in there. And challenge for the bantamweight. Yeah, title. I'd like either of those options too. I think the other really nice thing is it does is it gives us one of those fights where TJ Dillashaw has to once again prove that he's able to beat the top guys, and it gives John Lineker a chance to try to make weight again because they're not going to put him in a fight without making weight. So, uh, speaking of title shots, we mentioned just a minute ago here that um, Damian Maya should wait to see what happens with Woodley and Wonderboy uh, to see who wins that so he could get the next title shot. Well, Woodley and Wonderboy on the media conference call said they think if GSP comes back, he deserves the next title shot. Shocker that they would both want to fight a guy who Michael Bisping said he would make $4 million versus, obviously. Yeah, huge it, shocker, right? Yeah. Is this a bad thing, Gumby? I mean, are people I mean, just waiting the, for money fights now rather no, than I mean, worthy contenders? It, it makes sense 100%. Why would you not want to fight GSP? The guy's a huge draw, and he's a legend of the sport. Does he deserve it more, uh, or should he have it more? No, but but 
they should be calling him out. That makes sense. All right. And we'll end on this nugget, uh, Gumby. Tyron Woodley, uh, speaking of Tyron Woodley, trained with Sage Northcutt, said he has to take back what he said in the past. Not only is he a super nice guy, he's a damn good striker. Well, we know he's a super nice guy and a damn good striker. What we doubted about him was his grappling. <laughs> Come on, right? That, Did yes. you ever doubt his striking? He's always doing those crazy videos where he's kicking water bottles off the top of crap and stuff like I, I mean, he's a good striker. The dude's been doing taekwondo and karate for 100 years. You know, and he's only 20. Uh, I doubted his grappling. Yeah. And well, we'll, it'll be tested against Mickey Gall. Hell yeah. And uh, Brown Belt. I I can't wait for that one. That one is actually pretty exciting. Uh, You get to find out whether or not Mickey Gall is as real as he seemed. All right. Well, that wraps up the fastest fight news segment on planet Earth. Man, MMA fight news just never stops. Never sleeps. Uh, Even when you haven't had a fight card in a while, it stays uh, relevant all the time. Well, I want to play this interview with Tarek Safadine for our loyal listeners. He's an interesting cat, training up at TriStar now. And on the other side of that, we will, of course, preview UFC Mexico City, the first fight card in what feels like forever. It has been way too freaking long. I'm, like, itching for some fights. Uh, We, of course, are available at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Give us a follow. You can email the show at Top Turtle MMA at Gmail and Gumby talk about Facebook. Uh, head on over to Facebook and look for our page. It's Top Turtle MMA. Click the like button. You'll get picks, parlays, and the uh, podcast itself right in your newsfeed. And anytime me and Gumby write something on the interwebs, we'll post it there as well. We have been known to write before uh we are going to play our interview with Tarek Safadine but I would be remiss not to mention that this interview is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting New England Submission Fighting a mixed martial arts gym in the lovely quaint picturesque town of Amherst Massachusetts come on down right now it's prime leaf peeping season you can go to the gym get your no-gi submission grappling fix on it is the preeminent gym for no-gi submission grappling in the area class of six days a week Head on over to AmherstMMA.com to check out the website. New England Submission Fighting brings you our interview with UFC fighter Tarek Safadine. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we are talking to Tarek Safadine, who fights Matt Brown at UFC 207 December 30th. Uh, hey, let's get right into talking about that fight, Tarek. Uh, you've been near the top of the division since they brought you over to Strikeforce as the champ. Uh, why is Mike, Matt Brown the right fight for you right now? Well, um, obviously, um, you know, the UFC wants to match us up. Uh, we're both coming up from losses, and uh, we're both exciting style. You know, we both come to to fight, especially on the stand-up. That's a, that's a fight for the fans, I believe. It's a fight that uh, we're going to you know, keep it standing and, and bang, and, uh, and, uh, and it's going to be an exciting fight. I'm excited for the fight. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think you're 100% right, too. The fans are excited for that fight um, because of Matt Brown's style. And, and do, you, do you prefer to fight somebody who wants to stand toe-to-toe with you, or are you more of uh, really enjoying spoiling the style of a, you know, a heavy wrestler or something? Well, you know, I've fought both, both styles. You know, I've fought uh, you know, wrestlers. I've fought you know, wrestlers that can strike, uh, just rest, straight wrestler. I've fought uh, you know, guys that like to bang. And um, I've always tried to implement my game, you know, which is, you know, obviously tr- I try to keep standing as much as I can. Uh, but, um, you know, I've been working here um, at TriStar for almost four months now. Uh, and uh, for my last camp for uh, for Jake and Berger, uh, you know, I've been working really hard on all my aspects of my game. So 
trying to elevate my game, and uh, it's been working out pretty well here. Well, that, that that's certainly good to hear. And you know, we we you talked a little bit about fighting uh, guys who were heavy on wrestling. You know, the 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 only loss you had while you were with Strikeforce was Tyrone Woodley, who is now the top of the division uh, and the UFC champ. Yeah. Is there a, a extra bit of motivation now that he's the champ to get a second crack at him, or is there no difference to you who's at the top? Well, right now, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously, I'm definitely aiming for to get back to the top uh, at the division, and uh, you know, right now, I'm, I'm always, I've always, you know, that's where I, I look at my career is fight after fight. You know, I don't look past any anyone, um, and you know, I, I got to pass Matt Brown on December 30th, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but you know. You know, seeing seeing Tyron Woodley, even though he lost the that that championship belt uh, in Strike Force, you know, he's he's up there. You know, so it's uh, it's definitely motivation. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it, you know, obviously, it, it validates you to an extent too as a former Strike Force champion. And let's talk a little bit about that. Not that I want to, you know, dwell on Strike Force here. Uh, but as you came over from Strike Force, obviously there was the injury. You spent a year or so away. Um, but it seems like the other Strike Force champions in Daniel Cormier and Ronda Rousey and Luke Rockhold uh, are all over the news, have tons of publicity. Uh, did it ever rub you the wrong way that they're uh, you know, much more on the UFC's homepage than you are? Or do you just chalk that up to injuries and timing? You know, unfortunately, like you said, uh, I've been injured. I've been, you know, out of the, you know, as much. Uh, I didn't fight as much as I wanted to. You know, unfortunately, that's uh, that's a part of, in the past couple of years, where I've been, you know, quite injured, unfortunately, uh, and I've been on the sidelines. So I haven't fought as as much as I wanted to. Uh, this year is going to be my third fight in uh, in a long time in in one year you know so in uh, it's it's good that i actually have three fights in one year it's been a long time that didn't happen so i'm pretty excited about that and uh, you know my time will come you know i'm in no rush i'm i'm still young and uh, i'm still learning every day uh so my time will come uh, i have no doubt about it you know and uh, for the other guys you know l- and Luke and everybody, you know, I'm happy for those guys. You know, I'm happy that they get up there and they, they get their face recognized. Uh, you know, I couldn't be more happy for those guys. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you mentioned the injuries and you've had two separate one-year-off layoffs. This is your third fight in 2016. Uh, obviously, like you said, it's better for your publicity to have three fights in one year. How's it doing for your body? Do you feel like coming into this Matt Brown fight, you are more physically prepared? Or is there some wear and tear on the body because of three in a row? No, I mean, I, um, you know, the, the good thing about those three in a row, I would say, is, is I had time in between fights. It wasn't like back-to-back fights. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had time to recover. I had time to, to get ready and to learn also. Because sometimes, uh, you know, I think it's really good to be really active when, you, when you know, I'm thinking about, you know, Donald Roni and those guys are really, really active uh, throughout the year. Uh, but for me... Um, because I had those year off, fortunately, I didn't improve my game as I wanted to. So I had to, to you know, when you take fight back to back like that, it's good to to get the the ring rust etc. out. But you, you, for me, you don't improve as much as uh, as in between fight. You know, you learn new stuff. You, the MMA game is so vast, it's so so open. It's so many st- stuff that you can learn. And and because of those year off, I couldn't do that. So I think it's it's good for me that you know I took the time between fights and I, I learned new stuff. I learned so many stuff here, so so many 
new things, new ways to train, new training with new people. Uh, it's good for me, you know. It's good for 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 my game, and um, I think. Uh, and and right now, I'm, I'm in good. I'm really good shape. I'm feeling really good. I, I don't have injuries, so I'm coming into this camp, you know, healthy, and uh, you know, and I'm training a little bit smarter as well. So, um, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be in really good shape for this fight. Well, that's really great to hear because, you know, I think when it comes to just, let's say, a casual MMA fan and even like the hardcore MMA fan, when they think of Tarek Safadine, we think of the leg kicks, just the brutal leg kicks. (laughs) And we think of, you know, such crisp and great striking. How has your development been, you know, recently? Because obviously Fariz Zahabi, we know he is uh, very much a jiu-jitsu uh, enthusiast, have you been training a lot more on your grappling? Is that sort of what you mention when you say progression in MMA? Because to us, from an outsider's point of view, the striking is you know out of this world good. Well, th- thank you, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think I think w- what I've really gained from training here at Tricer is, is to improve my my MMA game overall. I think uh, what I've been doing for a long time is I've been separating the, you know, I've been training so much in jiu-jitsu or in striking or just in wrestling or, you know, I didn't really put it all together, you know. So I think coming here at Tristar, we do pretty much MMA every day and it's uh, it's what I need, you know. It's what we need as MMA fighter when you train, you know, football. That's what you do, you do football. That's when you, you do you know, soccer, whatever, you know, whatever sport, that's what you do. When you do boxing, you do boxing. The MMA is just, it, it, you obviously, you train jiu-jitsu and, and boxing and, and Muay Thai, et cetera, on the side. But we, every day we, all, we, do, we do MMA. And uh, I think that's, that was something that was a little missing in my game, in, in, in my training uh, regimen. And, uh, you know, I implemented it here uh, with Firas. And is um, somebody really knowledgeable. He's not only jiu-jitsu, you know, he's, he's really good in, in the stand-up and in, in overall, you know, uh, looking out over uh, for the MMA for each and everybody, each and every individual. You know, he does, he's not going to train me the way he's going to train uh, somebody else from the team. So I think it's um, it's really it's really good for me that uh, I have that perspective from uh, somebody from the outside that can, you know, tell me exactly what I need uh, and what I don't need, what I need to work on, what I don't need to work on. Uh, so, um, well, we'll find out on December 30th, but uh, I'm pretty confident that uh, we're going to see some new stuff coming in. Well, that, uh, that's very exciting to hear and, and really a fa- <laughs> fascinating way to look at things, too, because you mentioned, you know, maybe not just focusing on one aspect, but maybe focusing on MMA as a whole, because we're talking about TriStar. And what do I think of when I hear TriStar? I think of GSP. I think of Rory McDonald, two guys who kind of exemplify you know, the MMA fighter where they're good in all aspects, you know, maybe not, you know, a 10 at one thing and a seven at something else. They're like a nine across the board. You know what I'm trying to say? They're, they're complete MMA fighters. Yeah, definitely. And that's what, you know, I think that's what, uh, Tristar is really good at, you know, that's what Firas Zahab is really good at is implementing, you know, that overall aspect of the entire game to, to really, you know, make us as versatile as uh you know as as complete as we can uh you know so um, obviously we everybody's coming from a different background we have guys that just come from straight boxing uh 
guys from just from wrestling and you know is just trying to to see those 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 strengths and those weaknesses and uh is starting on from from the ground up and then we try to build us up and try to make us as complete as we can um and i'm from a background of uh of you know more stand up but he's not going to you know stop my stand up and just say okay just go wrestling and and go do grappling now no he's still going to keep my my stand up sharp and and everything else and then he's going to you know we're going to add more stuff more stuff more stuff and that's how you improve i believe but it takes time also you know it's not uh, overnight it, it takes time and uh, it's a learning process Absolutely. and uh, you know it, it's it's almost like sorry sorry to cut you but it's almost like i can't, I, I went to, to tristar and i put my white back white belt on and just start from the the, the bottom you know yeah. So it's exciting. A lot of respect to that that aspect too. Uh, and you know, so we're we're reaching right at the end of this, and and I want to talk a little bit about your background too, which you just did in that question. So uh, you obviously come from Belgium, uh, of Lebanese and, and Belgium mm-hmm. descent, um, but you lived in Belgium most of your life. Uh, I I shortly ago did a series of interviews with a guy by the name of Christopher uh, Ganacht, who is starting an MMA promotion in Belgium, and he spoke about how far uh, MMA has come in the country, but how it's still. Um, you know, kind of still has a very long way to go before it reaches mainstream popularity. Is there any extra pressure on you to kind of fly the flag of Belgium uh, in the MMA and make sure that, you know, it gets the recognition it deserves? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, um, you know, every time I fight, I put the Belgium flag on, on my short, not really to, to try to uh, to promote MMA in Belgium because, uh, you know, I think, like you said, it's going to take some time. Uh, the Belgium, the, the sports Belgium culture is, is, is not fighting. It's not fighting sports. It's not like um, w- when you go to Belgium, unfortunately, if you say you are an MMA fighter, people are going to look at you like, man, you, you, you're freaking crazy. Who, who do you, I don't want to talk to you. You know, it's almost yeah. It, no, it's it's crazy. But you know, it's funny because when I was in the U.S., uh, it's two different world. So I, I trained for a long time in the U.S. in California. And when I was uh, when I would you know walk on the street and people would look at me and say, "Are you a fighter?" And I say, "Yes." Uh, they would they would say, "Oh wow, man, that's awesome what you do, etc." You know, they would you know, congratulate me and, and shake my hands. But if you do that in Belgium, fortunately, people look at you in, in a different way. They're going to see, man, this guy's a thug. This guy's has no education, etc. It's, it's all other mentality. So it's, it's an old process of education. Uh, it's going to take time. And um, when you try to, obviously, when you, you explain to the people, you know, they kind of understand, they kind of respect that. But it's going to take some time. I think what Christopher Gunnack is, is trying to do, it's great, you know, uh, and I, I'm full supportive of whatever he's doing, you know, with the promotion, the 360 promotion. I think it's it's unbelievable. It's going to take time, but and, uh, uh, another guy has tried to do that for a long time, also in Belgium, and he worked, I, I know the guy really well, his name is Ludo Bolvin. He tried to uh, import uh, Shuto, you know, the... the you know, the Federation Shuto from Japan mm-hmm. tried to bring it in Belgium, but it took so much time, so much effort. Uh, it's it's so tough, you know, for so many years. Uh, so it's, it's it's a long process. And, uh, you know, if, if I can help in any way, uh, man, it, I'll be honored. Uh, but, you know, if I can if I can carry the flag, man, I'm, I'm happy to do it. But uh, what, I was, what I was trying to say is, is I carry the flag to represent the people 
that I grew up with, you know, my family, my friends. Uh, and obviously, if, you know, if he helps DMMA to grow in Belgium, I'm happy to do it. Uh, and, you know, if, if I can help anybody in any way to promote Belgium and MMA, MMA in Belgium, no, I'll do it definitely. Uh, very awesome to hear uh, that you're representing the people you grew up with. And, uh, you know, you're you're a positive guy, Tarek Safadine. Uh, we've always liked you as a fighter, and we are excited uh, for you to fight at UFC 207. It is on December 30th, a rare Friday night. It's headlined by Ronda Rousey making her return. There should be no shortage of eyeballs on this fight. Uh, Tarek fights Matt Brown at UFC 207. Tarek, we thank you so much for the time, and we wish you luck in the fight. Thank you, Dave and Dan. I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. So there you have it, Gumby, Tarek Safadine. Yeah, and it's always really interesting to talk to uh, a fighter from overseas. Obviously, he's got that Belgium connection. We talked a little bit about Belgium MMA and, and how differently it's viewed over there. I always just find that so interesting, being from a place where you know fighters are kind of idolized. All right, we are going to transition now to our UFC Fight Night 98 preview, Dos Anjos versus Ferguson. Thank you, MMA gods, for rescuing us from the drought. We did the rain dance, and a fight card is finally here. Uh, it's this Saturday, November 5th. But before we get to that, Gumby, I did just want to get a prediction out of you. Uh, Bellator 163 on Friday night. Uh, McGeary versus Davis. What are you thinking there? I, I kind of think Davis is going to win, but I will say McGeary is super, super game. And if there is somebody in Bellator who can beat Phil Davis, it's Liam McGeary. Um, and that includes over people like King Mo. I just think his sub game is really unique. His frame is really awkward and tough to beat. Um, I would not be surprised with a Liam McGeary upset. All right. Well, Liam McGeary, the plus 225 dog. Phil Davis, the minus 265 favorite. And you could also see a couple of those uh, amateur wrestling prospects Bellator signed. Oh, you can't see them because they're going to be in what we refer to in professional wrestling as dark matches. Yeah, the, but, they're, they're, I don't th- they might be on like Bellator.com yeah, or something yeah, like that. But Ed Ruth is super interesting to me. Um, so I'll probably tune into those just so I can see that. All right. Let's go with the big show. We got Rafael Dos Anjos versus Tony Ferguson. This is on FS1. It's headlining the entire card. It's coming to you from Mexico City. Rafael Dos Anjos, of course, the former lightweight title holder. He's coming off a brutal loss this past July where he lost his title to Eddie Alvarez. I do have to say, I thought Rafael Dos Anjos was winning the first two minutes, 40 seconds of the fight until Alvarez landed the big shot to his chin. Um, Alvarez is a heavy hitter, but you know what? I thought Rafael Desanos was as well. Uh, Tony Ferguson, this is his biggest fight to date. If he beats the former lightweight champ, it'd be very hard to say he does not deserve the title shot. Uh, he is coming off a, I don't know, 25 fight wins. <laughs> He's on eight fights in a row. What do you think of this one? Gumby? Uh, I, I mean, this is a really tough fight to break down because both guys have some really, really interesting striking. Dos Anjos has got some great wrestling. Uh, Tony Ferguson has got a great submission game. So there's like this weird stylistic matchup here. Um, but I think if I had to pick gun to my head here, I think I'm going with the underdog, Tony Ferguson. Uh and there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, I think Dos Anjos really relies on his cardio, and he's going to be in high elevations. Whereas, uh, you know, Ferguson, you know, is a little bit more measured than uh, Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos is a lot of forward pressure, a lot of constant movement. Ferguson lets the fight come to him, and that might play into the cardio better as you get into the later rounds. The other thing I would think of is is with somebody like Dos Anjos, who does shoot once in a while for a takedown. 
You've got that great lead uppercut from Tony Ferguson that I think just matches up with Dos Anjos' style so well. Um, and with Dos Anjos having gotten stung recently, you might get a, a knockout there. And, you know, I, I do assume that this fight goes to the floor at some point in time, and I would be afraid of Tony Ferguson's submission skills. I mean, he's proven to be a very, very, very real threat to anybody on the ground in that division. So for all those reasons, I just think he matches up really well with somebody like Dos Anjos. I, I do believe that Dos Anjos is the uh, superior striker, uh, although him leaving Kings kind of worries me, despite the loss to Eddie Alvarez this past July. And I'm talking about the Dos Anjos 2.0, the Dos Anjos we saw yeah, yeah, no, I th- rise to the top. I think he's definitely a better striker too, but you know, Styles make fights, and it, that's not just like grappling style versus striking style. That's like they have two very different striking styles, and Ferguson kind of has that funky leap with a weird lead uppercut style that I think could throw somebody like Dos Anjos off. Yeah, I uh, I, I think I, I like where you're going with that, especially with the elevation. I know Ferguson's been training at high elevation uh, in Big Bear, and I obviously love his ground game. Um, the Darce choke against... Uh, Oliviera, right? Yeah, Charles yeah. Oliviera. Was just sickening in a good way. Uh, Tony Ferguson, the plus 120 dog, the former champ RDA, the minus 140 favorite, but you heard Gumby. He is uh, very bullish on Tony Ferguson. Uh, we'll move now to the Cone main event. We have uh, Martin Bravo versus Claudio Puelles, and this is the finals of the Ultimate Fighter Mexico, correct? Uh, Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Sorry, I mean. sorry. Same, I'm same thing, right? <laughs> uh, so what do you got here, Gumby? Did you watch the show? What do you uh, know about these I watched guys? a couple of the fights uh, when I found out these two were in the finals. Martin Bravo, uh, huge pressure guy, so he's just going to throw a whole bunch of bombs. Puelles is uh, much, much more calculated and technical. Uh, he could wind up losing the rounds just based on not being active enough. Uh, I'd probably go with Bravo for activity purposes, but I wouldn't be surprised to see either get knocked out. And Vegas doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They have uh, Bravo as a minus 105 favorite. They have Puelas as a minus 115 favorite. A lot of places have them each at minus 110, so they're basically saying, we it's a don't pick know. Em. Yeah, it's a pick'em. Uh, we'll move now to some fighters that uh, people probably are familiar with. You have Charles Oliveira, uh, the minus 115 favorite uh, against Ricardo Lamas. Oh, I apologize. Also a minus 105 favorite, so pick them here. Uh, Charles Oliveira, du Bronx, as they call him. Uh, what do you think of this fight? Uh, I kind of like Lamas in this one just because I like his boxing better. Oliveira is long, uh, but it, it, uh, to me, Oliveira doesn't win this fight unless it goes to the ground. And to me, this fight doesn't go to the ground unless Ricardo Lamas decides it does. So unless Ricardo Lamas has a flaw in his game plan, uh, I see this being a, a beat-em-up boxing match that that Lamas most likely wins. I would say early on, just looking at this, I think this is a fight of the night candidate just Ooh. based on, you know, the two styles are just so uh, interesting to watch. Well, uh, you know what? Uh, Ricardo Lamas is coming off a loss to Max Holloway. No shame in that. Yeah, as you said, on uh, if you look up uh, his article... Dave Tremonti's article on Max Holloway. Max Holloway on an unprecedented win streak. Uh, and you can check that out uh, pretty much on uh, overtime.news. Overtime.news. Google David Tremonti. Google Max Holloway. I don't know. You'll find it. You guys are smart. Uh, Charles Oliveira is coming off a loss to Anthony Pettis. That was Pettis's uh, debut at Featherweight. So No shame I, in that one either. Yeah. So I don't know. We've gone back and forth here, I think. Just sum it up for me, Gumby. Who are you going with? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Lamas. I think, I think the boxing style of Lamas and his ability to dictate where the fight takes place. 
All right, we move now to veteran Diego Sanchez welcoming Marcin Held from Bellator into the UFC. Diego Sanchez, the plus 235 dog. Marcin Held making his debut a minus 275 favorite. What do you make of this, Gumby? Uh, that, that seemed crazy to me off the bat because Marcin Held uh, certainly has lots of great sub skills. He's got a hell of a record, just pretty much a loss to Will Brooks in the last nine, eight or nine fights. He's the only real blemish. But the, the part to me that's messed up with those odds are, again, if we're talking about Mexico City, Dave, what is the best part of Diego Sanchez's game? Cardio. His cardio. We know his cardio is the best part. So if you're at a place where everybody's going to be zapped more in cardio, you can bet your ass that Diego Sanchez is going to be the one still with cardio. On top of that, how many times has Diego Sanchez ever been submitted? Uh, never. Yeah, a big fat zero, right? He's never been submitted, and you're sending him up against the guy with almost no knockout wins and few decision wins compared to Diego Sanchez. I just don't see a really good path to victory here for Marcin Held, and I know that's crazy to say about a negative 275 favorite, but I think that this is easy money if you're betting on Diego Sanchez in a huge dog pick. Uh, okay, I buy what you're saying. I don't have a lot of faith in Diego Sanchez on the downside of his career, but you seem pretty passionate about it, so I'm not going to argue with you about it right now. Benil Darush is the plus 115 dog to Rashid Magomedov, the minus 135 favorite sticking on the main card. Your thoughts? I, I think I'm going to go with Magomedov just because uh, his wrestling is definitely better. Um, Darush has got a better sub game, but I, I don't see him being able to dictate the, the place. Kicking off the main card is Alex Grasso versus Heather Joe Clark. Alex Grasso. Grasso, a minus 500 dog. Heather Joe Clark, a plus 400 favorite. I don't think she's ever been that favorite in a fight. Go. All right. Uh, Alexa Grasso is a nasty prospect. For those of you who don't know, she's 8-0 with four wins in, in Invicta. Four of her uh, eight wins are by KO. She's only 23 years old. This is the easiest money on the entire card, bet Alexa Grasso. Uh, all right. And uh, we'll move now to the FS1 prelims. This is uh, So staying on FS1, you don't have to tune change your channel. Don't have to worry about flipping, as Larry Sanders would say. You have Eric Perez, the minus 185 favorite, facing Felipe Arantes, the plus 160 dog. Who you got? I kind of like Eric Perez. Uh, Goyito is uh, the type of fighter who just, I don't know, he he is so good sometimes and so bad sometimes. I'm just going to stick my faith in that he's better this time. All right, fair enough. So I'm going to give you the rest of the fight card. We don't have to go so in-depth, Gumby. You have uh, Joey Beltran facing uh, Joe Soto, who's a last-minute replacement, Matano versus Griffin, Briones versus Silve de Andrada. That's on the FS1 prelims. And then on the early prelims, on the Fight Pass prelims, you have Smiling Sam Alvey taking on Nicholson, Reyes versus Novelli, Barzola versus Avila kicking everything off. Out of those fights, what are you looking for? Who's going to be a standout performer, and what's a fight to watch? I think one of the fights you should watch uh, first of all, Eric Montano versus Max Griffin is a really good showdown. Max Griffin had to fight Colby Covington on short notice in his first UFC fight, and he is definitely a guy who's better than he looked against Colby Covington because who looks good against Colby Covington? Uh, the other two that you you know should watch out for, friend of the show, Sam Alvey. You should never miss a Sam Alvey fight. That's just a fact. The dude is so fun to watch, and he brings crazy knockout power. Um, and then the last fighter I would just mention is Enrique Barzola, who is a winner of one of the tough Latin America seasons taking on Chris Avila, who's one of the Diaz brothers boys, um, who just looks so bad against Artem Lobov. He looked like a slower Nick Diaz with no head movement. Uh, and Barzola's got some real power. So if he doesn't move that head, it's going to get punched into the front row. 
All right. The drought is over. We thank you so much for listening. We are going to be back next week with our biggest show ever. Damian Maya is on the show. Al Jermaine Sterling is on the show and we will have a preview of UFC 205 headlined by Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez. UFC's debut show in MSG. Heard anything about it? Yeah, no big deal. Uh, I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thank you so much for listening.